horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to Winning Ponies, the second week of 2012. We hope to have another great show, bring you a slew of winners that will complement your Winning Ponies products. And uh, we're going to start out with a look at the news on the national level. Then we're going to go international, and we're going to speak with a friend and an unbelievable professional by the name of Bill Nader. Uh, Bill Nader's done a lot of things in racing. Uh, when he was last at the, the New York Racing Association, he was there for 14 years after working at uh, Rockingham Park. He now finds himself in Hong Kong while he oversees the racing division of the Hong Kong Jockey Club. So we're going to learn uh, a bit about what happens over there. And then we're going to talk to Rich Nielsen. You may remember uh, a couple months ago we had Rich on as a guest handicap. Uh, he's one of the top handicappers in the country as far as qualifying. And uh, he has now taken that to another level, and he's developed a new uh, website called agameofskill.com. And it's very interesting. Uh, it's, uh, it's set up really to educate people about handicapping and about the sport. And I don't know anybody uh, that can do it much better that, that, than Rich. So uh, that's a look at the format today. Uh, let's get right out of the box with some good news. We talked about the tracks that have closed that have showed upswings in uh, attendance and handle. And uh, a barometer of that also plays into the breeding business. Normally the Keeneland January sales, one where a lot of people are uh, getting rid of brood mares or a few yearlings that they don't think are going to bring a whole lot, it's, it's a chance for some bargain buys. Well, the confidence in the market was certainly borne out in the first few days of, of bidding down at Keeneland. Uh, the gross receipts for the opening two days already exceeded the entire sale of last year's five-day auction. Uh, and on Tuesday alone, the horses showed an increase of 81%, and th- this is rare in the January sale. 19 horses sold for 200,000 or ma- more, uh, 19 of them. Uh, last year, there was only six on this day that were sold. Um, and then on Wednesday, things kind of... Uh, Turned to the yearling market, and uh, some horses uh, brought as much as uh, 180,000. As as you know, very young yearlings have only been uh, yearlings now for for 12 days. But uh, it's just great to see that the market is coming back strong, and that horse racing itself is making gains. So we're seeing a lot of positives in the sport. Um, out on the West Coast, it looks like one of our Best current riders, Go-Go, is not going anywhere for a while. In kind of a a freak accident as he was uh, uh, coming out onto the uh, track, his Mount uh, Silver Sum Nation flipped backwards going to the Daytona Stakes, and he came down and damaged his heel. Uh, The the horse flipped on him. There's just so many things that can happen, and... uh, this is really going to open the door for, for a lot of jockeys, as you're going to hear a little bit uh, later in this segment. Uh, he scored a pretty good upset in the sham stakes, and so uh, he's probably going to miss the next mount on, on out of bounds. And uh, he really had been on a, a, a good roll. Uh, he also 
was uh, named to ride the Citation Handicap winner, uh, Geronimo, in Monday's Grade Two San Gabriel. Uh, so it's going to be, he's going to leave some open mounts. I'm sure when he comes back, he'll be just fine. But again, we're looking at four to six weeks for Gogo. Uh, even longer than that, we brought the news to you that uh, Bonnie Castaneda, who went down in a bad spill at Turfway Park, was going to go under, was going to undergo surgery, and she did. And uh, she's showing modest improvements. Uh, she uh, had two broken vertebrae uh, that were repaired, and it was a very serious procedure. Uh, they do hope that uh, shortly she's going to be able to be uh, transferred uh, to the Cardinal Hill Healthcare System in Lexington. Uh, it's going to be a long process, but you know, with uh, hopes and prayers from a lot of the horse lovers and jockey lovers out there, uh, she'll be coming back. Uh, she did sustain a head injury too, so there's some memory loss. But as so many jocks will tell you, they they can come back from it. It just takes time. <clears throat> Well, we've heard the name Frankel a lot in the news, and now the Thoroughbred Rankings are out. The rankings are the International Federation of Horse Racing Authorities, and they put Frankel on top, and he may well be uh, the best. They consider him the best horse in the world for 2011 over the Black Caviar. Now, both of these horses, the uh, uh, Black Caviar was the Australian Horse of the Year, uh, Frankel, the European Classic winner, they're both undefeated, and there's a big gap between them and, and the horses below them. But I'll tell you what, this uh, IFHA doesn't think much of the stock over on this side of the pond. Uh, they didn't look very favorably on the North American racing in 2011. The best horse listed was Drosselmeyer, who earned a 124, and Drosselmeyer is uh, not even a finalist for an Eclipse Award in the older male category. Uh, some other North American-based horses that were included but far away from Franklin Black Caviar uh, were Tisway and Acclamation. Surprisingly, down at 59th in the rankings is the filly that could be the horse of the year, Arve de Grasse, ranked 59th. So uh, the IFHA not thinking too much about our stock. <clears throat> Well, what do you say we get back on track for the 2012 season in the U.S., even though uh, one of our top runners is prepping for a top effort, not here, but in Dubai, and that, of course, is Royal Delta, who may well be getting an Eclipse Award next week. Uh, she had her first official work of the year, uh, January 10th at Payson Park in Florida. She went an easy three furlongs in 36th with uh, Bill Mott uh, looking on, and uh Remember, she was a four-time winner last year, including the the Alabama Stakes, the Black-Eyed Susan. Uh, then, after her Breeders' Cup victory, she was purchased for $8.5 million at the Keeneland November sale. Luckily, her owners have put her back in training with Mott, and he said the main goal for the first half of the season is the March 31st World Cup, but she, he may point her to a prep before she gets over there. Other good news about good horses back on the track, reigning Kentucky Derby champion Animal Kingdom <clears throat> arrived at Palm Meadows uh, from Palm Meadows Wednesday morning, a week ahead of schedule, uh, accompanied on the van by Wood Memorial winner Toby's Corner. Uh, both of them worked last Sunday at the Fair Hill Training Center where they, they take it a little bit easier. So uh, now they are at Palm Meadows. Uh, trainer Graham Motion 
uh, had planned on keeping him up there, but he looked at the weather map and said, eh, you know, it looks like it was going to be a nasty week. Let's get down there. I thought we'd be better off down there, and this way we don't have to worry about it. Uh, they'll probably uh, ease off work or two till they settle in and uh, look for them to get back in action Tuesday of next week. Well, uh, we'll find out next week uh, who the two-year-old horse of the year was. Well, we know that the bookmakers think that uh, Union Rags was the best two-year-old and have placed him as the early Kentucky Derby favorite in the Vegas betting lines. And he is back in action. He covered three furlongs in 38-1, and one, breezing at Palm Meadows for trainer Michael Matz of Barbaro fame. Of course, you remember he won the Champagne Stakes and the Saratoga Special last year, but he couldn't get by that great Hanson. And uh, it looks like uh, it's going to be a, a very uh, interesting uh, vote coming up at the Eclipse Awards. All right, let's scratch our heads here for a little bit in the what's going on around here department. Uh, Parks Racing has called trainer uh, Juan Carlos Guerrero a potential threat. And they have banned him. They've given him a 10-year ban. Now, all of us have maybe had an uncle uh, like Juan that maybe would, uh, you know, give you your aunt or your sister a little extra hug or a pat on the butt or whatever. He, he seemed to be kind of a physical guy. But anyhow, uh, no charges were brought against him for, uh, you know, allegedly making an unwelcome advance to a woman in the racing office. And um, the Bucks County District Attorney dropped the misdemeanor charge against Guerrero, but boy, you would have thought he committed a felony. He's going to get a 10-year ban right now at Parks, and Parks is not without their set of problems. And more news from Parks, we now have a peeping Vaz. That's right, Parks jockey Aurelius Vaz was excluded, kicked out for an incident in the female jockey room. Uh, The you may recall he's the one that got in the punching match and had a fight down the backstretch. After punching another rider, he actually took his whip and put him uh, uh, solidly on the back with his whip. It was all, it was all over YouTube and everything. Well, anyhow, uh, he hadn't ridden for quite a while uh, since December 13th of 2011. And then he comes back and he made as many as three trips into the female jockey's room while one of the female jockeys was taking a shower. Uh, they have it on surveillance videos, so uh, not sure what Eurelio's Vaz was thinking of, but he was trying to get back in good uh, with the officials at Parks. I don't think he did a really good job of it. Um, coming up on the racing schedule, a great place if you've never been there. Oaklawn Park will open. It's 56 date meet on Friday with some uh, new wrinkles aimed at uh, keeping the now 108-year-old track fresh. Uh, one of the biggest changes that's probably going to trump most of them is the fact that uh, we are not going to hear the voice of one of our favorite track announcers. That's right. Terry Wallace will not be calling the rakes there. Uh, the new announcer is Frank Miramati. He'll take over on Friday. Uh, Terry, of course, called for 37 years in Hot Springs. Uh, he still is uh, connected. As you recall, we had Terry on winningponies.com a couple weeks ago, uh, being inducted into the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame. And after that, uh, that big change, Oklahoma's going to take it off. Uh, they're going to have a $5.2 million feast of stakes. Uh, that's going to have some changes. The purse for the Grade Two Rebel on St. Patrick's Day has been boosted from 300000 to 500000 so any horse that wins that uh, will be punching his ticket uh, to the Kentucky Derby. And uh, the uh, 
Uh, other three-year-old races also include the Grade Three Quarter Million Dollar Southwest on February twentieth, and the Million Dollar Arkansas Derby closing day April fourteenth. So that'll be a route that a lot of uh, three-year-olds will be taking to get their ticket punched uh, to uh, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, other names that you'll see at Oaklawn. D. Wayne Lucas is going to be back to defend his title. Uh, new faces, Cody Autry from Louisiana, Jeff Bondi from California, Kenny McPeak from Kentucky is going to be out there. Sadly, there's going to be a big gap made, uh, as uh, you know, that uh, Bob Holthus, who is perennially a, a leading trainer there, uh, passed away in November. He, he, won't, he won't be there. Uh, but again, Steve Asmussen will probably be happy to fill up uh, some of those stalls. Uh, Jocks, you'll see. Guy usually winners in New York. Channing Hill will be riding there. A French native, Florent Giarrault, is coming to Hot Springs after winning the title in Chicago. Of course, uh, Gabriel Saez and Carlos Gonzalez will be in from the fairgrounds. So look, look for uh, Oak Lawn Park uh, to be on a TV screen near you soon. Um, let's take a look now at uh, some of the races that uh, we handicapped Last week with Mike Penna of Horse Racing Radio, uh, we go out to the Grade 3 Sham Stakes. Uh, this is a first uh, leg up. It's a graded earnings now for three-year-olds, and that's what you need to get into the Derby. Um, upset time. At 1-2, to two, everybody bet down the killer bees, Rafael Bayarano and Bob Baffert, Secret Circle, who was previously undefeated and won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Sprint, put blinkers on for the first time, stalked in second, looked like a winner, didn't get it done, out of bounds at 10-1, to one, put in a final furlong that was very impressive under Garrett Gomez, who obviously will not be back up on him uh, next time out. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who is lucky enough to to get the mount on out of bounds. You may this horse is by Discreet Cat out of Unbridled Elaine, name you may recall. She was the Distaff winner in the Breeders' Cup and the Dam of Etched. Uh, from there, we went to the Grade Three Marshall's River, and the, the one thing that uh, that. Um, Mike and I said is that it was a bulky and talented field. Well, anytime you get a bulky and talented field, uh, anything can happen, and, well, it did. Daveron, the German bred, uh, went off the favorite. I know uh, Mike liked that horse a lot. Put in a big kick, but it was too late and did not hit the top three. It was a matter of twos. Heavenly Landing, a horse who's made two starts on the turf, two starts at the distance, and two back-to-back starts with Corey Landry. All of them wins. So uh, we're looking at uh, the uh, two on the turf, two on the distance, two on the wins, 20-1, to one, heavy landing. Congratulations to Corey Landry and all the connections. Uh, then it was uh, Aqueduct. We were looking at the three-year-old stretching out. No surprise here. Caught the exacta here. Uh, at odds on, it was Alpha. Uh, Karen McLaughlin, a homebred by Bernardini out of Nijinsky, the second mare. Ramon Dominguez, very impressive. Speed on the rail did fade. That was the Count Fleet at Aqueduct. Alpha is going to be one to watch. And then we went out to San Anita in the San Pasqual. The winner was, uh-oh, Bango at 7-1. to one. The slight favorite, Trey Barachos, was second. And third on the inside was Skip Shot. Well, that's a look at uh, the national news last r- week's racing. Can't wait. Coming up, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Hong Kong, 
our good friend, Bill Nader. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about, either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go? You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, I'm excited about this segment. We're going to be talking to a friend of mine, Bill Nader, uh, a gentleman I met back in the days when he was working at Rockingham Park, and he's certainly taken an interesting road to, to the seat that he sits in now uh, after spending 14 years with the New York Racing Association, uh, where he worked his way up as uh, later senior vice president and, and chief operating officer. And then all of a sudden uh, he found himself uh, on the other side of the world at Hong Kong, where he's worn just about every hat I can think of after he got there. He had to be surprised. Uh, the things he did as far as covering racing operations, the stewards, the lab, vet services, uh, race planning, international races, horse sales, sponsorship. I better stop because I want to talk to Bill. Bill, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. You're, you're eating Cheerios, and I'm having a cold beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the morning here. It's Friday morning in Hong Kong. We're about we're 13 hours in front of you, but uh, um, you know Hong Kong is such a great place to be that it you know it it wakes up early, it stays up late, and there's so much going on, and it's just a great place for racing. It's really you know in Hong Kong, John, it, it, there's there's uh, horse racing is the number one sport, and then I'm not even sure what number two would be. It's it's just a dominant part of the landscape here, and it's just great to be part of that environment. What was the uh, racing culture shock like for you? Obviously, 14 years on Naira, you, 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 you were really inundated into the whole you know, New York racing scene. I, I know at the time there was a lot of turbulence going on, but I'm just talking about the horse racing end of it that really has always been one of the highest. But what were some of the differences that struck you right away? Well, for me, first of all, I never thought I would leave New York. I thought once I got there, um, that was the top of the mountain. And I really, really, I can't even begin to uh, express how much I love my days 
uh, working for Naira. But towards the end, as everybody knows, Naira, it was a very turbulent time. We went through uh, the bankruptcy, the deferred prosecution, and, and you know, I di- and I didn't want to leave until that was really wrapped up. But when the opportunity came here, the transition from from what I really knew and was comfortable with American racing and really uh, felt like I was in in my comfort zone to come here. Um, the cultural adaptation was not that difficult, I don't think. I mean, the people here speak very good English, and all the meetings are conducted in English. And from that part, the people were very, very nice. And it felt, it felt in, in, in many ways, a little bit like New York. Uh, so I think I was comfortable there. But the racing is quite different, and the setup is quite different. And this is a not-for-profit racing organization that's an absolute powerhouse. I mean, when you look at it here and you, you come in, the races are, you know, there's no claiming races, there's no allowance races, they're all handicaps, and they use the European rating band. So coming in, you'd see, um, you know, a class five, a class three, a class two, a, a group three, which would be a domestic group three, because all of the horses are stabled in Hong Kong. So there's only six races a year that are open to, uh, overseas horses. So if you looked at it from the standpoint of, um, you know, Ohio, you'd, you'd have horses uh, really just racing in that jurisdiction. You wouldn't have any horses coming in from, from Kentucky or from, from anywhere else. They'd all be, you know, your own population. So all of the horses are stable at shot 10. The races are in rating bands, which could be, for class 5, would be 40 down to 20. For class 1, would be 120 down to 100. And that's just the, the rating of the horse. And, um, again, there's no claiming races. And to own a horse in Hong Kong, you must be, a member of the jockey club. And as a member of the jockey club, you can then apply in the annual ballot, which is conducted every year in the month of June. And now, how do you get in the jockey club? In. I know most clubs and I apply to won't let me in. How does somebody get in the jockey club? Well, you you know, it's it's a long waiting list. There's 20,000 members. It costs 400,000 Hong Kong to get in uh, as your enrollment fee, but that's the easy part. The hard part is really getting, getting in. There's only about 400 members uh, admitted each year. And so it's... Um, it's tough. If you want to be an owner, you've you got to go through that process, get in the, the jockey club, which people aspire to do. It's really a position of, uh, of status in Hong Kong to be a member of the jockey club and uh, potentially a horse owner. And then when you do apply in the ballot, uh, to, to close that story, it's, you, you basically have a one out of four chance to get lucky enough to get the permit because uh, there will be uh, 1,150 applicants for 340 permits. And once you get that permit, you have about what, 12 to 18 months to go out and find your horse. There's no breeding in Hong Kong, so you can't buy a horse in Hong Kong. You've got to go overseas, find a horse, and then import him into Hong Kong from, you know, usually from Australia, New Zealand, Europe, or America. Those are the, the, the and about seventy percent of the horses come from the southern hemisphere, and thirty percent come from the north. So it's it's really when you when I came in, I thought, well, you know, I've been in racing. Uh, all these years, 30 years, I think I've got it. But you come here and you really got to, you know, readjust and understand the dynamics at play here. The other things, John, that are interesting are, you know, there are no private vets. The vets all work for the jockey club. If you want to buy uh, betting or feed for your horse, uh, trainers have no payroll. All, all of the employees, including the grooms, work for the jockey club. The vets work for the jockey club. The feed and the betting all comes through the jockey club. So the, the trainer has no payroll, and he has really no uh, no need to actually source his own materials because we want to make sure that the medication, the feed, the betting, everything comes through us, and we have the quality control 
and make sure that there's, uh, from, the, from the integrity standpoint, that everything is in check. So uh, it's really a unique racing environment, very, very exciting. And I think from the standpoint of alignment, um, it's really well structured because the controls are in place, I mean, from the, um, from the tote, from the TV, from the broadcasting side, from the regulatory side. Everything is really well structured from the Jockey Club to make sure that there's no integrity breach and the information is very transparent. If you go to our website, if your listeners go to hkjc.com and they really have a chance to play around and they go in, the wealth of information that's available to the customer is, is absolutely unbelievable. And, um, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's reinvigorated my interest. I, I was always, as you know, a, a big racing fan and a big racing guy, but this has taken it up a notch and, and coming here has really been a, a great decision. In, in, in hindsight, now looking back, it, at the time you make a move like that, you always have some doubt, but having come here and lived it, uh, it's really uh, re-energized my love for the game. Well, you, you can hear it in your voice. Now, again, for our listeners, when you say, you know, obviously you're limited in scope uh, in the amount of horses you can have on, on the property uh, or in the country. Now, when you say we get our horses from, from South America, the fact that you're a nonprofit, do you have Hong Kong Jockey Club bloodstock agents that go out and search these horses? How does that process work? Okay, there's, there's bloodstock agents that will be working alongside trainers and alongside owners, but then the club itself, uh, and this is part of the division that I oversee, will have someone, a gentleman named Mark Richards, who will go out, in fact, he's at Magic Millions today, and we've been communicating over the last couple of days. We just bought six horses. We bought a Bernardini, we bought uh, an Acosta de Lago, we bought a Lonro, um, and um, and three other horses um, over the last two days. And then what we'll do, we buy these yearlings, and then we'll have them trained in their uh, respective countries. So these horses will remain in Australia. Um, and uh, about 40% of our horses, uh, horses that race here will come from Australia, and about 30% will come from New Zealand, and then the rest will come from the Northern Hemisphere. But these horses will remain there, and then we have a sale to our owners that have permits, and we'll conduct that sale the day before what we call the Derby, not the Derby. So uh, it's um, it's it's always um, in March, and then the day before uh, the Derby, we will then sell those horses in an auction. Now, last year, um, those horses averaged 4.8 million Hong Kong, which is over 600,000 U.S. Uh, as the average price. So they they're they're sold as two-year-olds, and they're um, uh, they, there's a breeze up uh, before the sale, a uh, week before the sale, and they get to see them breeze up, and then they're all, they're, they're basically racing propositions after that. Within a few months, they're they're on the track competing. Now, as far as the, the jockey club owners, do you group perhaps, or can people choose to say that uh, you know four of us want to get together to go in and buy a horse, or is each one individually owned? No, um, there's. There's individuals. It's just much like the states. There's individuals. Uh, there's partnerships, and then there's syndicates. A syndicate must be between five and fifty members, but all must be uh, club members. And then no single person in Hong Kong is entitled to own more than four horses at any one time, because the supply-demand relationship. Uh, this is quite unusual, but the demand. Uh, far exceeds the supply. Again, those permits are limited uh, in any given year. There's only 1,200 horses in Hong Kong. They're all stable at Sha Tin. None of the horses are, st- are stable at Happy Valley. We have the two tracks. Happy Valley 
is the nighttime, the Wednesday night, what I would call the entertainment track. I mean, it's incredible to see. It's a, a, a seven furlong track uh, dropped right in the middle of the city. All races at Happy Valley are run on turf. We have eight races uh, on Wednesday nights, with rare exception. There's occasionally a Wednesday that we don't race, but most Wednesday nights we race eight races. To give you an idea and give your listeners an idea of uh, what that what that looks like, I mean, you have apartments all around the track. The apartments are, are you know, uh, you know, three million U.S. Uh, on average. Uh, so it's an expensive part of Hong Kong in terms of real estate. The infield of the race course is public property, so there's soccer fields and uh, rugby and a, and a jogging track out there, but it's closed down during the racing night on Wednesdays. And then there's the seven furlong track. Now, on an eight-race program at Happy Valley, uh, to put that in perspective, the, the handle, or as we say, the turnover, will be uh, about $120 million U.S. Incredible. Incredible on a Wednesday night, eight races, and then so, well, how, what? How does that impact your purchase? I guess you can get your money on back Sunday. on a six hundred thousand dollar horse. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, and, and there's only of the twelve hundred horses. There's only about four fillies. The rest are almost all geldings. They geld them. They bring them in, and they tend to geld them and try to keep them as racing machines for four years or so, and then give them a paddock retirement back in their country or make them a riding horse at one of our riding schools in Hong Kong. It is really uh, a different world, and uh, I've seen some very well-bred, expensive horses come in. Some horses can come in, uh, most come in unraced, but others can come in as what we call PPs, which are private purchase horses, where a horse can race up to 17 times overseas, but must be imported before he turns five, and those are those are PPs. The unraced horses here are called PPGs, private purchase Griffins. Uh, Griffins typically we just meaning maidens, and um, and it's it's so you, when you have a permit, you can have a PPG permit or a PP permit. But in any case, when you have that, then uh, then you go out and find your horse. But some horses come in and have a proven record. I mean, horses coming out of the Derby in England, the, the Epsom Derby or the French Derby, and they, they'll buy these horses. Uh, and and the, Dar- the, the, the Hong Kong Derby is run for four-year-olds. So a horse can run in the Kentucky Derby or the Epsom Derby or the French Derby and still, as a three-year-old, and be imported into Hong Kong and have a chance to come back, and, and, and they'll pay big money for those horses, have a chance to come back and run in the Hong Kong Derby in March of his four-year-old year. So it's, um, it, it's really something to see. But most of the horses are gelded, regardless of what their credentials might be and what their chances are of being a, you know, a, a stallion prospect. Um, they're gelded. And we've had horses like Good Baba, who uh, came out of the Keeneland sale. He won the Hong Kong Mile, which is a $20 million mile turf race. $20 million Hong Kong is $2.6 million U.S., so it's bigger than the Breeders' Cup Mile. He won it three years in a row. Uh, and finally retired from Hong Kong last year at the age of nine, but he won it at the age of eight. He won it, uh, I'm sorry, he won it at the age of five, six, and seven. He was defeated at the age of eight and retired at the age of nine. We've had a horse, Viva Pataka, who came out of England uh, as a PP, a private purchase horse, who had a racing history in England and, and, and showed that he might be a good horse. He came in here and he won uh, countless Group One races and earned uh, over 80 million Hong Kong, which is um, you know over 10 million US before he was finally retired at the age of nine. So that's one of the things that I think is good for Hong Kong racing. The 
the fans who are very, very passionate about horse racing. And and I I know um, there is um, uh, you know that you know that cliche that Hong, well Chinese people will bet on anything, but they will definitely in Hong Kong they will definitely bet on horse racing, and they will not bet on the lottery. So it's, it's we run the lottery here as well. Horse racing this year. Uh, for the first time in history, 7 million people in Hong Kong, 767 races a year, will exceed all horse race wagering in America. America, 46,000 races will be, uh, in 2011 was 10.4 billion. That figure just released by the, uh, by the Jockey Club. So that's 84, um, 84 billion Hong Kong dollars. And this year, um, Hong Kong will, will exceed it. We'll, we'll finish up this year about 88 billion. When I came here in 2007, it was 60 billion. We had gone down from, 2000, from 1998 to 2006. Yeah, but Bill Nader turned that around. Two billion down to 60. And now we've climbed back up from 60. This year, we'll finish up close to 90. We'll be 88 to 90 billion this year. So for the first time, Hong Kong will exceed America. But the lottery, which we run, is only a $7 billion business. So horse racing is going to be 90 and the lottery is 7 So you can see that people here really like betting on something where they really believe they have a chance to win and where it's an intellectual uh, exercise. Well, I'll tell you what. All I can say is that, that they've got the right guy at the helm, and I'm sure that uh, some of that success definitely uh, has your, uh, your your fingerprint on it, Bill. I'm, I'm up against a break. I could talk to you all night because there's a lot more I want to ask you about about racing in Hong Kong. But you, you, you sound good. Your voice sounds bright, and uh, obviously they made the right choice when they decided to bring you over there. Oh, thanks, John. It's always great talking to you. And anytime uh, you want to know more about Hong Kong, I'm your guy. Good. I want to know more about Hong Kong, and now I've got your number. We know how to dial it. I will be calling you back. Okay. Thanks, John. Have a great night. All right. Bill Nader of the Hong Kong Jockey Club. We're going to take a quick break, and we come back. We're going to be talking to Rich Nielsen, and we're going to find out what he's been up to with the new website that he's created. It's a game of skill. Thoroughbred Racing on WinningPonies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What does building a family mean to you? Nobody has experienced the pain and joy of family life in a way that Freddie Scott has. And his experiences in life, in sports, and business can help you create a successful family future. We'll cover many aspects of family building and management with a focus on fatherhood. Men and women want their families to succeed during these tough times. Our show will give you hope for the future and practical tools for a successful family. Tune in to the Freddie Scott Show, tackling the game of life, Mondays at Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right. Well, join me now is uh, Rich Nielsen. They got the... Tune in to a little bit of Bill Nader's uh, description of uh, what's going on in Hong Kong. I, what I say is that all of uh, thoroughbred racing needs to pitch money in, build a couple Titanics, send it over to Hong Kong when they're not having their race meet, and bring them over here. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds like a novel plan, John. You know what I mean? <laughs> the amount of money that they're betting over there, if we could just get a small percentage of that, we'd have our purse problems, our breeding problems, and everything taken care of for a long time. With me, ladies and gentlemen, Rich Nielsen. Uh, I've had him on the show before. As you know, if you've uh, been to handicapping contacts, uh, particularly when you go to the ones at the end of the season, uh, Rich is usually there because he's an amazing qualifier for his handicapping skills. But he's also an individual that has a great uh, love of the game, and in doing that, he wants to educate you, bring you along, because we're not rolling dice here. We're not pulling a one-armed bandit. I've always said that the allure of racing is that it's a game of skill, and Rich has now developed a new website with that very name, a gameofskill.com. Welcome to Winning Ponies. Rich Nielsen, how you doing? Great, John. Thanks for having me on again. Well, uh, describe to everybody what made you think that, uh, you know, this is something a little bit different than the websites out there. I'm not, you know, offering, you know, big, big tip sheets or uh, trying to have a betting platform or anything. Uh, I'm actually trying to educate people about handicapping. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a work in progress, but it was something that just occurred to me uh, earlier this year and, um, you know, it's always irked me that the, you know, the, the racing industry doesn't promote that fact well enough that, you know, handicapping is a game of skill that you can put the odds in your favor. You can learn more about the game and you can learn more about handicapping. And over time with experience, you can improve your handicap or ha- handicapping and your wagering uh, strategies. And it, it really is what separates um, horse racing from other forms of gambling out there with with probably the only exception being uh, poker. So, um, you know, it's just something that the sport hasn't promoted enough. Um, the You know, I think a lot of us that love the game and are into it uh, are, are so because of the intellectual challenge. Um, it is a challenge to try to figure out who's going to win you know, the two-year-old maiden race coming up, and then the, you know, mile-and-a-half grass race that follows right after it. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it is a game of skill, and that's one of the things I'm trying to um, do with this site, put some educational pieces out there, um, teach people how to handicap. Um, I just put a two-part series about uh, that I called First Things First because I think the first thing you need to do when you handicap a race is understand the race conditions. And so... Um, I've got a part two article out there uh, that I put out there yesterday that explains, um, you know, how you should look at the race conditions and and take different things in, into account. And so it's things like that. And, and then I'm also keeping up on uh, news within the industry and, and uh, 
things involving uh, casinos and so forth, and and um, you know, just uh, there's there's always something on the site, so I'm constantly updating it, and and uh, you know, I hope that the listeners uh, that love horse racing will will visit the site and 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 sign up for my newsletter as well. I've got a free monthly newsletter. Um, there's a link. You just put your name and email address and so forth uh, in the upper right hand corner, and you can sign up for the newsletter. So. Um, you know, it's a it's a fun project. I love the sport, and uh, hopefully, it's gonna you know uh, you know help in the long run. Well, you don't have to tell me. I've, I've been signed up now for for over a week, and you know it's funny. You know, I'm tapping into you as a handicapper, and we're going to look at four races before the the show's over here tonight. Uh, but uh, I've always thought that one of the things. And when you when you're a novice, you really don't understand this, and that is race conditions. You just you kind of look at it, and you look at oh, there's ten horses in here, and you know this one's got the best jockey, and this one's got the top trainer. But the the, the guys that I know that are the really good handicappers, and quite frankly, the best jockey agents are guys that really know how to reach into a condition of a race and and find out a horse that's a standout, even though his last running line or two don't dictate that. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, you will you will see races uh, throughout the country where um, if you handicap the race and look at the race conditions, it looks like this, the race was written for the for one particular horse in the race, one horse that really fits um, the race conditions as far as you know number of wins or when they've won uh, their last race and uh, so forth. And um, a lot of times when that when it looks that way, you know that horse is is going to run well. So, um, you know, it's just things like that that uh, are just so important in the handicapping process. And if you don't do that right off the bat, then you're putting yourself at a disadvantage, uh, you know, against all the other horse players that do. Well, I think we need more people like you that are great ambassadors of the sport that'll that'll kind of take people by, by the hand, and all they have to do is read it. It's right there. You know, it's kind of a step by step thing. I know there's a lot of books out there and everything, but uh, so many people now are geared to, to the internet and getting the information, and getting it fast. Um, and again, I'd highly recommend that people sign up. You're going to put it right in their mailbox for them. They can read what they want out of it, but. Uh, Nonetheless, it's a great way to learn and then all of a sudden to apply that to your handicapping. Well, uh, speaking of handicapping, let's, let's do a little bit here. And if we've got some time uh, at, the, at the top of the show, uh, we'll, we'll come back uh, to, to talking more about the, uh, the uh, game of skill. We'll see just how skilled you are. We're going we're to try to <laughs> two, do two races back-to-back here at Gulfstream, maybe and give people uh, a late double here on the Saturday card. Uh, starting with the Hales Hope. Uh, it's a grade three. Speaking of the conditions, it's a $100,000 race for four-year-olds and up. After that, I guess it's pretty wide open. You're not finding a whole lot of conditions that they had to win at a certain distance or on a certain surface or be stabled at the track. So now that leaves us with a Pretty wide open group of talented horses, from what I'm seeing here, Rich. Yeah, I totally agree, John. It's a very wide open race. Um, I've actually always been a big fan of Jackson Bend, who's going to be the favorite breaking from the rail. Um, but you know, I can't let those feelings, uh, you know, sway me on on handicapping the race. I I I think he's going to be overbet. Um, he, like I said, he's breaking from the rail, which is actually can be a disadvantage in a race like this. He's He's packing 123 pounds, and he's spotting weight to some pretty talented horses. 
And the other thing is, you know, he's going to be the favorite, and he's had four career races at Gulfstream, and even though he's run well in, in a couple, he has never won. Um, and horses coming out of the Breeders' Cup are just always over bet. So, you know, Jackson Ben's the type of horse I would use, but I would not, I would actually play against uh, in the win spot. And the two horses that kind of jumped out at me um, was uh, Soaring Empire, who um, not a big fan of coming ho- horses coming off a long layoff like he has, but he's been working very well if you look at his workout line. Oh, yeah. Um, Nothing but bullets there. Yeah, and he loves Gulfstream. He's been first or second in four out of five starts. Um, yeah, based on those workouts, you know, I, I would expect him to run well. He loves the track. Um, you know, really there isn't that much speed in the race, and I think Will's Wildcat is a long shot to look at. James Baker's a a very competent trainer. I actually worked for him many, many, many years ago at Turfway Park. Um, and this horse is capable of a big race. I mean, if you look at the race he ran at Churchill in November, um, he ran a 111 brisk speed figure, and he crushed a, a stakes field, not not a whole lot different than this. Um, and Calvin Burrell is up, and I, and he's 10 to 1 on the line. So he's a he's a long shot in that race that intrigues me. Well, like you said, Jackson Bend uh, may be over bet, but certainly on the class edge, you know, uh, the, the the last couple of horses he lost to were Uncle Mo and Amma Zombie, who got some pretty good credentials themselves, quite frankly. No, no doubt. No doubt. All right. Well, we're going to move on uh, to the second half of that, uh, that, that double that hopefully Rich is going to give us here. And this time we're going to go on the weeds uh, at, at Gulfstream Park, a mile and a 16th. It's the 57th running of the Fort Lauderdale. This is a grade three. $100,000, again, it's four and up, and uh, no other uh, really uh, tight conditions under than that, except if you want a grade one or two, you'll get a pound or two off. I don't see too much in the conditions that would force these horses to, to, be, to be separated too much. Um, kind of some interesting horses, obviously, to look at would be uh, a European graded stakes winner that's now in the, the barn of Bill Mott, uh, that uh, seems to have some healthy legs under it uh, at uh, at Payson Park. Uh, uh, Mutual Trust, a horse that kind of uh, drew my attention. Again, you don't know how he's going to transfer that European form over here, but uh, the, the horse is a multiple-graded stakes winner. That was four for four before its last start in France. Yeah, and, you know, as far as the race conditions, you know, this is just a, a grade three turf stake, and it, it's kind of an ordinary field, and so mutual trust really, really kind of stands out because, I mean, this horse had, uh, you know, some strong European form. He won four out of five races last year, in, including a Group 1 event over uh, Zoffany and Strong Suit, who are two very talented horses, so... Um, he's getting first on Lasix. Um, like you said, he's been uh, working well at Payson, and uh, there's nobody better at bringing uh, a horse off a little break than uh, than Bill Mott. So, yeah, I think this horse is going to be really, really tough to beat if he if he's even a shadow of his European form. Um, and, and just based on its pretty ordinary American feel, the the only long shot that really jumped out at me was Yummy with Butter, the four, because he. He's run well on the turf. He won the cliffhanger, a grade three event just like this, Mammoth last summer, and he's second off a layoff. He had a prep race at Tampa, burning on the dirt. Um, 
and that's a good example of the race conditions because the horse wasn't suited for uh, a dirt sprint at Tampa. So I think they used that race as a as a prep for this, and I think the horse should improve and. He should be every bit of uh, of his 10-to-1 morning line, so he's a horse I would use with, with mutual trust. All right, we're talking here with uh, Rich Nielsen, one of the top handicappers in the country. Uh, a horse in here that I've got to kind of scratch my head a little bit at 6-to-1 uh, was considered the favorite for the Breeders' Cup Classic, and that's Flat Out, who uh, finished three links behind Drosselmeyer, Game on Dude, and Ruler on Ice. I, I guess the, the question here is... Can this horse handle grass? I mean, here's a horse that's won $1.3 million and has never been on the turf. Yeah, he's, he's out of a, a sire that uh, is a 7% turf sire, 5% first time on the turf. Um, and he's out of a dam that's had 11 starters, and only one of them has, has won on the turf, which is a pretty pitiful uh, you know, indicator for turf. So not saying he can't take to the turf. Um, I've seen horses with worse pedigrees do it, but, um, you know, he's probably going to get bet down because of his reputation, um, you know, be four to one, something like that, seven to two, and he's just not worth it trying the turf for the first time. So I'm, I'm uh, going to take a chance against him. Well, that's good. That might, might give you a little more, uh, little more value for your buck uh, with, with some of your other selections. Well, here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break here on winningponies.com, and we're going to be right back, and we're going to head out to the West Coast for two interesting races, one at Santa Anita and one at Golden Gate. You're listening to winningponies.com. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Pascal, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john Engelhart. got a tip for us need a tip from us if you want to talk with john or his guests the phone lines are now open toll free at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com now back to winning ponies with john Engelhart. 
All right, and back with me again, Rich Nielsen, one of the founders of AGameOfSkill.com. Before we close out today, I'm going to have Rich definitely uh, recap how you can uh, get involved in this. It's absolutely free, and it is a great tool to use uh, along with the many items you can get on WinningPonies.com. Rich, let's go out now to beautiful Santa Anita, the 60th running of the San Fernando. It's a grade two going a mile and a sixteenth. Uh, we've got uh, mostly uh, four-year-olds in here. Um, we've got we've got a, a three-time Derby winner. Uh, Prayer for Relief won the Derby three times. Of course, that was the Iowa Derby, the West Virginia Derby, and the Super Derby. It kind of looks like he comes to the top along with a, a, a pretty dangerous speedster that Steve Asmussen is going to send a post called Tapazar. Did, did I hit on the top two? You're going to give me a long shot. Well, they're definitely the the two favorites. Prayer for Prayer for Relief is is I think going to be the favorite. I don't think he's going to be fully cranked up for this race. Um, he hasn't run in a couple of months. Um, I think Baffert's kind of using this as a prep, and, you know, he'll probably run well, but I, I think he's a good bet against um, at what's going to be short odds. Um, Tapazar is the obvious horse to beat him. Um, I think he could get loose on the lead and, um, and dictate, dictate the pace. The horse that intrigues me a lot that I'm definitely going to use uh, along with Tapazar is first strike. Um, that horse is coming off a win in the Zia Park Derby, and um, it was what a, a clean start for, for his new barn, and, and he ran a big race. Yeah, those guys are obviously watching. This horse was claimed for $40,000 at Santa Anita, and it had been pretty much racing at Hollywood Park in Santa Anita. And this guy obviously saw that, hey, there's one derby left uh, over at Zia Park. It carries a $150,000 purse. I think this horse is showing me something, and uh, he dug down in there off two wins and took that horse. Uh, Robertino Diodoro is the gentleman's name. i got to say he's a pretty sharp horseman. Yeah, he's twenty percent on the year. So, well, going back to last year, and so he's obviously a good horseman. And this horse has been training very well. I mean, that that work on January first, one eleven flat, is a fast, fast work. And um, he just looks like a, a young horse that's coming around and and certainly thriving for his new barn. So, um, you know, and he's he's he should be a you know a square price in this uh, you know fairly short field. So All right, well, I, I another like upstart that could be interesting in here, we talked about flat out uh, going to the turf, is Irish art going to the main? Um, yeah, it, you know, it's hard to say, uh, you know, what he's going to do. I mean, this, that's a horse that's bred top and bottom for the turf. He's, he's, out of a breed, he's by a Breeders' Cup mile winner, Artie Schiller, who's a fantastic young turf sire, out of a Seattle song mare. So... Uh, and actually, Iris Lynette, the dam, I recognize her. She was a turf stakes horse. Um, yes. For, I believe, Leo O'Brien many years ago. So, um, you know, I, I, it's the type of horse you can't take a short, short price. Uh, you know, you can't take under, under, uh, value odds on, on a horse trying to surf, new surface for the first time. 
well, all I can say is I think Flat Out should have shipped in for this race, and Irish Art should have shipped <laughs> over to Gulfstream. Is the way I'm looking at it. Well, uh, there's there's a race coming up. It's a Derby. It's not graded, so these monies uh, won't go to getting these horses closer to the first Saturday in May. But I like to stay with just about anything that has the word Derby on it. And it's the California Derby. As a matter of fact, I think years ago I recall going out to California and seeing a horse by the name of Telly's Pop win horse that was owned by Telly Sabalas in this race. Uh, as you know, out at Golden Gate, uh, Jerry Hollendorfer is not shy about centering the post, and, and it looks to me like uh, they're going to have an awful hard time beating Russian Greek, who's just coming out of the gold rush at a mile, this being a mile and a sixteenth. Uh, several horses in here tried him in the gold rush and, and couldn't hold him back. What do you think? Well, it certainly sets up for him. Um, he's probably the, the, the one real lone closer in the field, um, and there's just a ton of speed in this race. Um, but, you know, the, the horse I kind of liked that I thought was a little sneaky, John, was uh, Senor Rain um, for Peter Miller, who's a very good horseman, because I, I really like how they're taking the blinkers off on right. the gelding, and, you know, that should allow him to relax um, off the early pace. And he showed he can com- come from off it in a couple of his his starts on the uh, the dirt last summer. Um, he's a very versatile horse, and and you can pretty much throw out that turf race last time out. So yeah, um, I think Luke could rebound with a nice effort. Yeah, you can not only throw out that turf race, I mean, just put a line through that, but go back to his race before that uh, where he finished just a few lengths before Liaison, who obviously a lot of people are considering one of the elite three-year-olds of this crop. Yeah, I mean, he's he was very consistent before that, uh, that turf debacle last time out, so... Um, you know, and that's just going to help the odds a little bit. So uh, I've always liked Peter Miller, and and, uh, and he's got one of the top riders in, in Krieger aboard, so nothing wrong with that. Well, Rich, listen, uh, I've, I've still got uh, a minute or two left in the show. Uh, I want to go back uh, to, to a gameofskill.com just to kind of uh, remind the listeners of winningponies.com uh, what they're going to see when they go there and how easy it is to get there. Uh, well, they just go to a gameofskill.com. Um, it's a news and, and blog website. It's covering all different horse racing-related news, gaming-related news, and I'm posting a lot of different educational articles, some that I've written myself and some that um, some uh, friends of mine have written, uh, also diff- posting different resources such as the uh, Kentucky Derby Future Book Odds and and different things that I come across, and definitely invite all the listeners uh, to fill in their uh, name and email address in the upper right-hand corner um, and sign up for my free monthly newsletter. Well, I am inviting them right now, and Rich Nielsen, thanks so much uh, for being on the show. I'm sure it won't be the last time. appreciate your expertise here on winningponies.com. Thank you, John. Good luck to everybody. All right, thanks a lot. That was Rich Nilsson, ladies and gentlemen, one of the top handicappers in the country. Remember, if uh, you want to pass this show along to a friend, they've all been podcasted. You can go to winningponies.com and uh, pull down this show before anybody gets out to the races on the weekend, whether or not hopefully you're going to a live track or a simulcasting center, one of the tracks we handicapped. We hope that we brought you home a slew of winners. So tune in with us uh, every Thursday, and don't forget to download the products on winningponies.com. They're going to give you an edge at the races. So from high atop the grandstand, overlooking the turf course, past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. Remember everyone, bet with your head, not over it. 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.